is. And um, if you've taken the trip of Israel, you certainly went to a place called Caesarea Philippi. This is an ancient retreat center about 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee at the foot of Mount Hermon near the Golan Heights. And this location is the source of the Jordan River, which flows out of that area down towards the Sea of Galilee. But the cave to the pagan god Pan is located at Caesarea Philippi. And it's a cave carved out of a huge stone wall on the side of the mountain. And Caesarea Philippi was known as a key place for worship of the god Pan and many of the other pagan gods back in those days. Jesus brought his disciples here for a retreat just before they turned their attention to Jerusalem where Jesus would be facing death on a cross. It's a beautiful area there at Caesarea Philippi, and it has served as a retreat location throughout the centuries. And as far as we know, this is the farthest north that Jesus ever traveled with his disciples. The Bible tells us that this location um, was, uh, was one, of the, one of the most important things that happened during the ministry of Jesus here on, on this earth happened at Caesarea Philippi. And it was at this location that Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples knew his real identity because he was headed for the cross. He wanted to make sure they knew who he was and uh, as the Messiah. And he also wanted to make sure they knew what the real mission of the church is. And so we want to talk about that, the real mission for the church. And let's think about God's plan for his church this morning for a few minutes. And Pastor Eric read the scripture passage, and it was out of the message, which is a contemporary paraphrase of the Bible. But, uh, and I usually don't use that in my messages because it is a paraphrase, but this passage is so well known. Sometimes it's good to kind of hear it in, in a little more contemporary uh, terms. And so we're going to use that uh, the message for our references today in the message. And the first thing I want us to notice about this tremendous passage of Scripture is the distinct promise from Jesus to his church. The distinct promise from Jesus to his church. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Now, I've, I was raised in a church and I've heard this passage taught and preached on many, many times throughout my life. And, you know, until just recently, until just a few years ago, the imagery that I had in my mind when I heard this passage of Scripture uh, spoken was that Satan is on the attack in the world. And Satan's trying to attack the church and trying to destroy the church. But here we see that Jesus has promised to protect the church from Satan. And he said that he will not let Satan prevail over the church. He will not allow Satan to destroy the church. With the power of Jesus, the fortress of the church is strong and Satan cannot overcome the church. Now that's kind of the imagery that I've had in my mind through the years as I've heard this passage of Scripture. But again, uh, a few years back, I discovered that this imagery is not really correct. I discovered that I had a completely wrong idea about this passage throughout the years. Let me read verse 18 again and listen very carefully. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell 
will be able to keep it out. Now, in order to understand the real meaning of this passage, it's important for us to know the significance of the gates back in those ancient cities. You see, the gates were the most vulnerable part of the city. The walls were huge, massive stone walls, and an enemy could not get through those stone walls. They were so thick and so huge. So if an enemy was going to overcome the city, the enemy would have to come through the huge wooden gates. Now, these were huge gates, but they were, were wooden, so they could use a battering ram or they could burn down those gates. And in this passage of Scripture, you notice that Jesus said that the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the attack of the church. In other words, it's not Satan who's on the attack and about to destroy the church. Rather, it is the church that's on the attack in the world. Jesus says that the fortresses of Satan, the fortresses of evil, will not be able to withstand the onslaught of the church. The church will be able to tear down the gates of hell. Now that is a very different picture in our mind. And this new picture has a profound significance for the church. You see, God doesn't want the church to be a fortress trying to keep, uh, trying to keep the world out and trying to defend against the attacks of Satan. To the contrary, God wants the church to be proactive in the world. God wants the church to take the initiative. God wants the church to be tearing down the fortresses of Satan in the world with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. In fact, God says that when the church is on the attack, the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the attack of the church. When the church is on the attack in the world, Satan will be on the run. We will be able to tear down the forces of evil. We will be victorious over Satan and his demons. That is a powerful vision for the church, and it's an exciting challenge for the church. But the tragedy is that so many churches don't really understand that biblical concept. They don't understand this challenge from the Lord. Too many churches have a fortress mentality. They are too busy trying to keep Satan out, trying to keep Satan from tearing down their walls, trying to keep Satan from interrupting what's going on with their programs and activities. But the truth is that the church needs to be the one on the attack. The church needs to be on the offense. The church needs to be tearing down the gates of hell, destroying the forces of evil. Rick Warren uh, recently retired from being pastor of Saddleback Church in Southern California. And this past year, Rick claimed that the COVID pandemic didn't hinder the ministry and growth of his church. In fact, his church experienced dramatic growth during this time period, even though they had to close down their in-person Sunday morning worship services like all the rest of us for about a year. Saddleback Church became the major food distributor for Southern California. Now, typically, Saddleback Church feeds about 2,000 families per month in their food distribution ministry. However, during the first week of the COVID shutdown, the church fed 45,000 families. Rick Warren said that during the shutdown, Saddleback Church had 13,000 volunteers serve over 3.5 million pounds of food to over 300,000 families. So Saddleback Church was very engaged during the pandemic. Not only that, <clears throat> but Saddleback used their food distribution program to share the message of the gospel. Over 16,000 people came to faith in Jesus. That's about 80 people a day came to faith in Jesus through their food distribution program. You see, a genuine revival was taking place in Southern California during COVID, 
due to the ministry of Saddleback Church. And this revival took place while their in-person worship was shut down. That's what Jesus was talking about. See, the gates of hell shall not prevail over the spiritual attacks of the church. We need to make sure that our church members realize that our main focus is to tear down the gates of hell throughout the week with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. It's not all about what's happening on Sunday morning. It's what's happening in our lives through us, through God's spirit during the course of the week. So we need more churches in our country and our state that are committed to tearing down the gates of hell. We need more churches that are on the offense with the gospel. We need more churches that are destroying the strongholds of Satan. The distinct promise of Jesus is that the gates of hell will not prevail over the onslaught of the church. He declares that the church can go on the attack against Satan and be victorious. That is how to have a prevailing church. And that's the purpose of the church, to prevail over Satan and evil and darkness in the world by spreading the love and grace of Jesus Christ in our neighborhoods and in our region. But let's go on secondly and notice that the, the specific process that Jesus wants us to utilize as a church, the specific process. Matthew 16, 19 again, Jesus says, And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth and earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is no in heaven. Now, how does the church go about defeating the forces of Satan? How does the church become a victorious church? Well, Jesus says very clearly that he gives to the church the keys of the kingdom. In other words, Jesus gives the church the awesome responsibility of unlocking the doors of heaven for people in the world. Now, that is pretty awesome, isn't it? So how do we go about unlocking the doors of heaven? Simply by sharing the good news of salvation, by spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, by sharing the love of God with the lost world. We have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. We have the way to salvation. And yet, far too often, we do not use those keys to unlock the doors of heaven for our friends and relatives and neighbors. So often we don't share the good news with them. So often we do not invite friends and neighbors to come to church where they'll hear the message of the gospel. Well, someone might say, well, there are tens of thousands of people in northern Virginia who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How can we hope to ever reach all of those people? Well, the answer really is simple. We reach all of those people one person at a time. We reach them one person at a time. We must deal with people on an individual basis. We must have a personal concern for people. The key is for each and every person in your church to reach just one person for Christ at a time. That's how you have a victorious church. That's how you can literally tear down the gates of hell in your community. And that's the method that Jesus wants us to use. I've shared with you before when I was here preaching about Charles Allen, who was a noted preacher in, in the past century. And he figured out if you start with one Christian and that Christian leads one person to Christ during the course of the year and disciples that person. And then at the beginning of the next year, you have two Christians and those two Christians, each one of them lead one person to Christ through the course of the year and disciples those folks during the course of the year. Then you have four Christians and if each one of those four reach one person for Christ the next year, uh, at the end of that year, you have eight Christians 
and then the following year you have 16, is that right? And then 32 and on and on and on. Well, if that process continued for just 32 years, the entire world would be one to Jesus Christ. Just 32 years. So you can reach all of Northern Virginia in just 15 to 16 years. And that's if you just start with one person, not if you start with 50 or 100 people. That's how you can become a prevailing church. If each Christian will take the initiative to reach out to just one person at a time with the love and grace of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel, if each one of us will just reach out to at least one neighbor and friend and co-worker, remember we have the keys of the kingdom. So let's don't waste this vital opportunity. North Star Church Network, as you remember, emphasized the art of neighboring for a couple of years. And that's really the most natural way to reach this world one person at a time. My wife and I have the names. Of, we just moved to a new neighborhood in Fredericksburg. And now we've got new names on our refrigerator that we pray for on a regular basis of neighbors that, that live right around us. We're trying to get to know our neighbors. And one of the best ways to get to know them is by praying for them on a regular basis. If we expect to be a prevailing church, we must reach out to individual people in our own neighborhood with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the specific process I think that Jesus wants us to use. But thirdly, Let's notice the supernatural power available to the church in order to carry out its, its mission. Matthew 16, 18, again, Jesus said, This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. As we seek to be a prevailing church, we must remember that we can only tear down the gates of hell with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that. Don't even think about trying to stand up against Satan and defeat Satan with your own power. That's not going to come out very well. Don't even think about facing Satan in your own strength, in your own abilities. He's going to win every time. You see, we are not building our own church. In fact, we're not building the church at all. Jesus said, this is a rock on which I will put together my church. Jesus is the one doing the building and he is, and it is his church, he says. That's why it's so critical to follow his guidance. That's why it's so critical to depend upon his spirit. That's why it's so vital for us to focus on prayer. That's why it's so vital to be open to whatever changes God wants us to make within our church so we can be more effective in carrying out that mission. You see, it is his church. It is his mission. It is his kingdom. We're not building our own kingdom. We're not developing our own organization. We're not forming our own program. To the contrary, it is God's church. The church must be based upon the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's the one in charge, not us. He's in control. He's the one who gives us the victory over Satan. However, the wonderful truth is that God has provided us with his power. God has filled us with his presence. Jesus told his disciples that they would do greater miracles than he had done because they would have the power of the Holy Spirit within them. Now that is an awesome thought, isn't it? They would be able to do uh, greater miracles than he had done because of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. On the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and he preached the gospel with boldness and 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. 
Acts 4.31 says the disciples were filled with power, the power of the Holy Spirit. The early Christians spread throughout the Roman Empire and literally changed their first century world. In Acts 17, the people of Thessalonica cry out against the Christians by saying, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. The early Christians changed their world because of the power of the Holy Spirit within them. And that's the same power that's available to us today. That same power is available to you today personally. And that same power is available to South Run Baptist Church today. The only way to have a victorious church is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then fourthly and finally, the faith-filled decision that every church must make. Here's the decision every church must make. Matthew 16, 19 again. Jesus said, and that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is yes in heaven. A no on earth is no in heaven. God has promised that we can have a victorious church. He has promised that we can destroy the gates of hell. God has promised that we can make a difference for Jesus Christ. However, the key to fulfilling that promise is that we must step out in faith and carry out God's mission. We've got to step out in faith and carry out his mission. When that happens, the church will no longer look the same. The church will no longer be operating as it did in the past. The church will no longer be focused on self-preservation or keeping Satan out of their fortress. To the contrary, a victorious church will be taking risk. A victorious church will be aggressively looking for changes that need to be made in order to be more effective in carrying out our primary mission. A victorious church will no longer see itself as an organization to be protected, but as an army to be deployed. A number of years ago, Robert Lewis wrote an excellent book entitled The Church, the Church of Irresistible Influence. In this book, he tells his story about starting a new church in Little Rock, Arkansas, about 30 years ago. The church called Fellowship, which he called Fellowship Bible Church, began in his home, but it grew to be about 1,500 in attendance during the course of about five to 10 years. Everything seemed to be going great for the church. People were joining on a regular basis. Um, They were having baptisms and so forth. And there was a lot of enthusiasm in the church. Except Lewis just didn't feel like everything was right. He felt like there was something missing. Something was wrong. Something uh, They could do something better to improve their ministry to the community. And he, he asked himself the question. If Fellowship Bible Church would close its doors... Who would even notice in Little Rock except the attenders? And who would even care if they closed the doors except the attenders of the, uh, attenders of the church themselves? You see, he realized the church was not really impacting the culture of the city. It wasn't impacting the culture of Little Rock. So he and his leadership team dramatically changed the entire way they were organized. And here's a church that was being successful. They'd grown to 1,500 people. They were having people join on a regular basis, but they changed the entire way they were organized. And they decided that every member should be involved in some ministry to the city, a church ministry or a nonprofit organization or their own personal ministry, but some ministry where they could share the love of Christ in practical ways with people in the city. And this made a radical change in the health of the church. Pretty soon, 
Everyone in Little Rock was aware of the benefits of this church. Political leaders would visit the church. Uh, they were making a difference in the city in the lives of ordinary people. And Fellowship Bible Church began to make an impact uh, on their city, a huge impact on the town in which they live. So the question we need to ask uh, wherever our church is located is how are we doing in impacting our community? How are we doing in impacting the area in which we live? Are we touching people's lives with the grace and love of Jesus Christ? Are we helping people come to faith in Jesus Christ on a regular basis? That's the question that every church, I believe, needs to be asking. And if we're not doing that as effectively as as we think we should be doing, we need to be, able, be willing to make whatever changes that God wants us to make in order to be more effective in carrying out our, our primary mission. You know, church is just, it's not about just getting in a routine and going through the motions on a week-by-week -week basis. A church is all about impacting the world for Jesus Christ, making a difference in the world with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. With God's power, there's no stopping the church. And with God's power, you can carry out an amazing mission from God. We just have to recognize the need, the mission that God has for us, and then step out in faith and start carrying out that mission. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, I thank you for South Run Baptist Church. Thank you for the members involved, for the leadership of the church. And we just know that you have them here for a purpose. And we're so thankful for the ministries that they've carried out um, throughout the years and continue to carry out. And we just pray your blessings upon them. Give them a real vision for the kind of mission that you want them to be on in this, uh, in this location in Northern Virginia. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit will fill them with your power and your love and your grace. And we just look forward to the miracles that take place in this community, in the lives of individual people because of their ministry to the community. And so we want to put this church in your hands and trust this church to your care. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit will fill this church with your power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.